Hello and welcome to another 361 Degrees special mini-series coming to you from Infosec live at Earl's Court in London. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan McLeod from Mobile Industry Review. And why are we at Infosec and what is it, Mr McLeod? Uh, we're at Infosec, or Infosecurity Europe, to discuss and examine what's going on in mobile security because that's the, uh, a burning topic for a lot of people and for, for much of the, the mobile industry. Malware in particular is getting rather annoying for a lot of people, especially if you're using Android, not just limited to Android. Uh, so we're, we're just going to look at all things mobile security, have a little chat, and then go and see if we can talk to some of the exhibitors here, do some interviews, and uh, go from there. Yeah, if anyone listened to our special from London Book Fair recently, we're just going to do a couple of these throughout the year when we've got the opportunity to come to events like this, just to look at kind of special topics. And we'll come back to them in the main conversations as normal. But uh, we just wanted to do a special, you know, sort of set of interviews and and things like that. Uh, Where is Mr. Blanford this time? Uh, Well, I I believe he is back in the country. That's what the, the, the messaging says. Is that right? That's right. So, so Rafe Blanford, our, our, our partner in crime uh, of all about Windows Phone, all about Symbian, and all about a whole bunch of other stuff as well, I think. Uh, he, he's now back in the country. Terms have been agreed with his agent, but unfortunately they don't start until Season 3 sponsorship kicks in. So if you're looking forward to hearing from Mr. Blanford, please do uh, subscribe on the podcast feed, and he'll be back very, very soon, once, uh, once the check is cleared, basically, I think. Um, such uh, a commercial. Such a commercial guy, isn't he? So short and yet so vicious. <laughs> anyway, enough enough teasing Mr. Blanford because we do that we, we normally. Yes. Uh, Infosec. Now we've just we've arrived. So, what are you hoping to see here today uh, from all the exhibitors? Because it is absolutely jam packed. I mean, this 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 event is absolutely buzzing. Well, uh, I think from well, obviously my, my viewpoint, our viewpoint is mobile focused. So, I'm looking to see what they've got if anything, that we can be using from a consumer standpoint. And also, I'm wondering if there's, I might not be that many mobile operator-focused stuff going on here. I I can understand why, because it's more an information security event. But I'm looking forward to chatting to some of these exhibitors, uh, particularly the big names, and just saying, what have you got? And how much of the stuff that you are offering is just simply money-making nonsense? I think, let's call a spade a spade. How big is a mal? How big a problem is malware? Is antivirus? I mean, is antivirus necessary for your phone? And I remember when antivirus first came out for Symbian. I think I'm on record as saying it was absolute tosh because you know the the, the likelihood of actually getting anything on to your Symbian phone and then getting anything that that's going to do any any damage was was so difficult uh, as non-existent. Yeah, because Infosec's a, a security conference first, so it covers you know all kinds of security across all kinds of IT, but that increasingly includes mobile. As you walk around the stands, there are lots and lots of people referring to mobile, and it's not just mobile specialists. It, it's it's firms that big name firms that already have a presence in in, in uh, you know fixed technology or cloud or yeah. services, um, but they're also now expanding into mobile. And I think for me, that's that is one of the questions I want asked is actually. Well, what does what does mobile, what does security in terms of mobile really mean? Because you talk about malware, you talk about antivirus, you talk about device loss and encryption and remote wiping, mobile device management, not a big one, yeah. And and that's all fine, but those are topics really that have come out of traditional fixed security. Like you know, you have antivirus, you have anti-malware, you have 
what you know intrusion detection and all those sorts of things on your desktop PC because there's a an established credible threat that's developed over a long period of time and the industry's actually developed a whole bunch of kind of best practice ways of dealing with it. But where are we with mobile and and also what can consumers understand? Because there's a lot, you read a lot of scare stories in the press. That's not to say they're not true, but they're just very sort of emotively scary written. Um, but actually, what are the threats out there that are that mobile users need to consider? And, and not just people at home, but perhaps people who'd have business data on their phones as well. Well, I mean, you really do need to be careful because some of the... Some of the stuff you read in the, in the mainstream media is, as you as you rightly point out, a little bit scare scare stories. But it's it is rooted in fact. There are a lot of providers out there. Uh, Cloudmark is, is one of them, um, who work with the big operators, and their their whole reason for existing is to sit on the mobile operator network and try their damnness to get rid of any spam, any malware, or any uh, uh, malware is typically delivered by either through an application or through an SMS message that you then then prompts you to download a, uh, an application. Um, so the, you know, this big provider, CloudMark, they're, they're doing their best to try and limit that at the network level. Um, and I think that's one way of, of dealing with this. And But it is true, it is real, that there are people trying to take a lot of money out of people's pockets this way, but principally via Android. Now, let's just discuss this. The, the different platforms out there, some of them simply aren't capable of malware. I mean, Windows Phone? Is that... Is that is that likely to be infected with malware? I think at, at, at the moment. Well, I think there's the difference between can it be and is it at the moment. I, I, I think technically it could be. You could grant an application permissions to do malicious things right, with right. your data on your handset, but I, I'm not aware of of any cases in the wild of that having happened. But actually. Having said that, looking across the Windows Phone marketplace, a lot of the apps that rate very highly in terms of the download, the top three downloads, look very low quality or are, are sort of slightly dodgy looking and from unknown vendors. So uh, I can see that if somebody wanted to create a piece of malware, it wouldn't be too challenging to encourage people to download it because it's not an established marketplace with names and vendors that you trust. You know, you're still buying from small providers. Nothing wrong with that, but if you don't know who you're buying from, it could it could far more easily be malware. Well, trust is a very good point. I mean, did we do we trust Instagram, or did we trust Instagram? Do we trust these big names? Actually, I want to talk about Path for a yes. moment as well. So, Path, for those who don't know, is a is a a social, net, a social network which is, is focused around you uh, networking with sort of close friends or family and, and the idea is you have a small circle and you kind of can be more more open and share um, and a few months ago now it, it turned out the path was up uploading uh, devices phone book to its servers ostensibly to, do, to help you find friends it wasn't in a malicious way but they hadn't asked to do that and also they didn't didn't do a very good job of supplying evidence that they were really securing this data properly because all of a sudden my phone list including clients or including friends or family or you know mistress or Rafe Blanford you know um, was, was in a server in America by run by some people I didn't know which could have been broken into or stolen or lost so I think that there's also that issue of just because names are big and, and Path has secured a lot of funding and has been very high profile, would be in the mainstream media. You know, if you read the, t the technology pages of the Sunday papers, you would have seen it. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to trust it. I remember when I was sitting using Path, I remember wondering, wow, how, how are they doing this? How are they? Yeah, how do I know that Ben Smith 
has joined, you know, it's, it was amazing. Were they irresponsibly t- taking your data and stealing it? Well, it, exactly, because well, because I was uh, I was filled with wonder because I flatly thought, not assumed. I mean, I thought I, I, I couldn't comprehend that a developer would simply just access my address book, stick it up onto their own servers without even simply saying hello to me. Um, yeah, I was horrified by that. What out of, out of fairness, we should say that they have now fixed or, or changed that and I believe the feature's still there but it asks permission and it's much more upfront about doing it and it was also, although not well known about, quite common practice for lots and lots of apps to upload address books but it goes back to my point about trust and understanding which is a lot of consumers wouldn't be familiar with the way that these apps work or these systems work perhaps to the same level of maturity they would with desktop computers just because of familiarity and so who can you trust? Because in that case it wasn't malware, it wasn't uh, a malicious attack, it wasn't a third party, it was a service being irresponsible in the way that it provided some utility to you. Well, exactly. Since when has it been okay to do that when uh, LinkedIn or any other service on the desktop will happily, politely and very bluntly say, listen, can we access your Hotmail? Can we find some contacts on Google? And you have to type in your username and password and it will go and do a lookup and it says, we are going to try, they're very clear what they're going to do with your data. That, I think, is a, a, has been a flaw. And, and yes, it's been rectified to an extent, but where's the kite mark? How do I know that the next great app isn't doing that? Yeah, and, and, and as, if you, as we walk around the, the show floor here and we talk to, to, to the vendors, I'm going to be interested to see actually what level of maturity do they have in terms of communicating these messages? Because it's all very well and good uh, having you know, very, 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 very clever detection technology or antivirus or or any kind of, you know, sort of measures to keep people's data protected. But if they don't know what data they need to protect, how do they buy the right products? Right. And and, and if if the quickest way of getting, you know, if you're you're a a foreign country and and you want to get some data, the quickest way to do it is try and get someone to put on your insert app name onto their phone. And in fact, if I wanted to get data out of... uh, the Silicon Valley elite, yeah, or, or in fact anybody in Washington, wouldn't the quickest way to be to fund a Silicon Valley startup, the next big thing, <laughs> and then just make sure you're programming a backdoor into the app so you can get everything? Yeah, and, th- and this was interesting because my first inclination is to say that Android has a big problem. So, for example, recently Instagram became available for Android, and already within a few days, you're hearing reports of malicious versions of Instagram with you know, either identical names or very similar names looking to fool people into downloading that version instead. And you know, you can talk quite a lot, and there's a lot of talk about how and uh, Google's approval process into it's Google Play now, the marketplace, yeah. uh, how that approval process is. Uh, well, very, very fast. In fact, n- almost negligible. Oh, but, but in contrary to Apple's, which is perceived to be quite in depth, and yet, actually, Path was misbehaving in the same way on both iOS and Android. So, it's not a golden bullet. It doesn't actually solve it's a golden bullet, silver bullet, whatever the bullet is that you want that solves all your problems. It's not one of them. It's a silver one that kills the werewolf, isn't it? So, it, it's not one of them. But it maybe it decreases the risk to some extent. I wonder if there isn't an opportunity to say, listen, I need somebody to peer through the code to understand, because I don't think Apple peer through the code, right? Do they, do they peer through it? I don't think they I don't think they inspect every line manually, but right. they have, uh, I'm, I'm fairly sure that they have some, some automated processes, because uh, from as an experience of my firm you know, submitting apps into their store, uh, when 
when we've done things that are non-compliant with, with the standards, accidentally of course, you know, you understand, uh, they pick them up very quickly in a way that would look to be automated. Oh, well, that's fine. But I, I'd like someone to actually go through and I think it's about assurance, isn't it? Feeling better, feeling good. Is this app assured? Is this app, has a third party done something about it? So, but could this be an area where uh, BlackBerry comes in and it has a strength because traditionally everybody perceives BlackBerry as being a secure device and then people are aware that police forces and you know Barack Obama and you know politicians and Whitehall departments use them uh, but at the moment that tends to be for the encryption and the security both of the d- data on the device and as it's transmitted over the air but could they, do you think that that would be a way that they could maybe recover their brand a bit by having an app store, which is the most secure app store? A, that could be a very nice pivot or a half or a semi-pivot, couldn't it? If, if BlackBerry said, you know what, every, every single app that appears in our app store, we don't have you know, half a billion or half a million apps. And you know, the reason we don't is because we don't want rubbish. And every single app has a kite mark and is approved and we have gone through it and then we assure it. The only problem there is there's a degree of responsibility therefore, so they have to actually make sure they do that. But I, I wasn't thinking so much of saying, oh, the only things in the store will be those that we've taken apart, but maybe some kind of BlackBerry seal or something that so that if if you're nervous as a consumer, you can sort of turn on the filter, as it were, and only see approved apps. Because a lot of enterprise systems now are looking to sort of lock down what apps you can install and only approve them. And that kind of makes good sense for businesses because they have to be responsible with their customers' data. There's all kind of legal restrictions on them. And, and so that's a way that they could do it. But actually, it's, that concept applies to consumers as well. If I'm anxious about my security or I'm a celebrity or, or frankly, I just don't want to leak my address book up into, the, up into some unknown cloud, you know, I could turn on that filter and use assured apps. I, I really like that. And the, well, the BlackBerry platform, the current platform, is brilliant for that because you know they, they have built it with the requirement of you know of approving absolutely every access into the address book or you know all the the API calls are available. It's just you need approval for them, and then you have to the, as a consumer you've got to say yes, yes, yes. So that that's a real value. That obviously with BlackBerry 10, the new one, that one of the reasons for the delay is because they're having to build it to that scale and to that that level of uh, of quality. Um, you know, the, the other manufacturers don't have to bother with at the minute. And, and the other thing I'm interested in, just quickly before we, we wrap up and hit, hit the floor, um, mobile banking, mobile services. So the idea that now people will be confident enough to do what used to be sensitive transactions they were nervous about on mobile devices, because it took a long time for people to adopt, uh, for example, web access to bank accounts, online banking, and a lot of education, and the banks still tend to give away kind of free antivirus or malware software to to kind of at least premium customers to kind of assure them that that it's a trustworthy thing to do, Uh, and you jump through all kinds of hoops to stay online. Uh, Are we getting to that stage now where we'll need to see the same things happening in mobile? I think we are, and, and that, that brings in the mobile operator. Which I, I would like the idea to pay an extra couple of pounds or extra, pound or extra something a month and have my operator say, by the way, you'll never be a victim of phishing. Right? Because if you do access HSBC from whatever connection on your phone, if you do, we're going to guarantee you that the DNS lookup, you know, it, it is it's HSBC servers. It's not somebody else playing silly buggers with it. You know, it's, it's real. And, and that, that's a... It's, it's, an interest, and it's an interesting point there, isn't it, that who, whose responsibility should that be? Should it be the bank? Should it be yours? And also then, how do you know 
assuming that people want to be secure, that they would maybe pay more or they prefer products that have security, how do you know? Because the whole problem about security is you only know some of the times when it goes wrong. It's very, it's very difficult. I, I enjoy going into meetings with people who say, our system is secure. I say, how do you know? They say, well, we haven't had any break-ins. I say, well, how do you know? And they kind of say, ah, oh, we don't know. Because it, it, it tends, security is something by exception. So then how do you communicate that idea to consumers? Because with banking, as you say, there are some really clear ways that people might want to protect themselves, like from phishing, from identity theft. We're not sitting too far away from Barclays, who released that Ping It app recently. O2 today have released a mobile wallet. Loads of opportunities to inadvertently or maliciously move money around. You know, even just perhaps by coercing someone. You know, you can go and beat them up and make them press the buttons on their phone uh, in a way that would be difficult in front of a cash machine or or, or something like, or, or you know, maybe hasn't happened so much in front of a desktop computer. Um, how do you know? How do you know it's secure? How do you sell that idea to them? And how do you help them value what security is worth? That's a, that's a very difficult question because you know, how do you know? Well, it'd be quite nice, I suppose, in one way to, to have an email saying, uh, your Vodafone Secure Protect system has prevented you. You know, you, you've had 17 people trying to hack your phone today and we've protected you. The knowledge of that would probably be quite worrying. I think it's a, it's a very difficult question, but it's 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 the same. It's, it's branding, isn't it? It, it? You're absolutely right by saying it's just kind of perception, prevention, and uh, you know, because really, if you look at why people have antivirus on their their computers, it's really it's quite satisfying when it pops up saying I've prevented some malware. That, that's quite cool. But a lot of the time, you've just got it running because it feels good. Okay, let's hit, let's hit the floor. We're going to do some interviews. We're going to talk to a few vendors and ask them questions, ask them those sorts of questions, and then perhaps at the end of the day we'll come back and have a bit of a think about what we've seen. 